Topping Talks. Five hours a week can't be beat. Welcome to Topping Talks. Topping Talks is a Topping Tribune production, and today's episode is proudly sponsored by Topping Technologies and Express VPN. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder at least twice a day. Have to say he's quite handsome and brilliant. If you're a business in Texas and could use a hand, you can reach them at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Also, are you part of the 3.6% of Americans who still care about privacy? If you are, then perfect. ExpressVPN can assist. Even though 96% of stats are made up on the spot, ExpressVPN does give a 100% guarantee with via their 30-day money-back guarantee. Now, without further ado, I'm proud to say today I'm interviewing U.S. Navy veteran and current IT manager at Amazon, Ken Brown. Hey, Topping, how you doing, man? Pretty good. Thanks for coming on the show, bud. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. I was glad you reached out to me. I think it's uh, crazy how we all connect uh, in this world today, right? Uh, via social media, via, you know, whatever, right? So you reaching out to me on LinkedIn and just asking me to come on here has been amazing, man. Oh, absolutely. I mean, nowadays I've, I've met more people on LinkedIn than, you know, happy hours or any trade <laughs> association or, you know, cybersecurity events we've gone to. Oh, yeah, 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 right. <laughs> and uh, look, man, it's... It's amazing because this is probably like the second time that LinkedIn has done something for me that um, I think that people kind of misconstrue what that platform does. Um, but I connected with a uh, peer of mine who was in the Navy oh, really? um, a year prior to me getting out. And so I didn't even know the guy. I just kind of cl- linked up with him. Uh, he was an IT in the Navy. He's down in Florida. So would never have crossed paths. I lived in Virginia for 20 years. So uh, would have never crossed paths with this guy. So um, part of my story that we'll talk about later, but basically he, uh, he like messaged me and said, Hey man, I saw your resume. And I was like, this is insane. Dude. <laughs> uh, he's like, yeah, I remember we connected and, uh, just, you know, kind of fate, if you will. Right? Yeah. So fate <laughs> that you and I kind of linked up and saw each other. Oh, absolutely. I know we're kind of going way back in time, but you know, <laughs> when you, growing up, what did first inspired you to join the Navy? Oh man. So look, the Navy was, uh, like the Navy, the military was pushed onto me uh, in the aspect of um, either going to mil- to the military, or you're going to college. Yep. Uh, and it was like really kind of shoved down our throats. Um, we had those parents who were just very uh, like strict and stern. And I, I, I get it, right? Who doesn't? So they were good parents. <laughs> they were good parents, right? <laughs> right. They got the they got the belt after you if you didn't do it right. Um, so the interesting part is, is that I guess I took it to heart, right? So it kind of got frustrated with the, uh, the environment that I was in, uh, made a right turn and just said, Hey, look, I'm going to go down to the, uh, go down to the recruiting station. Uh, just made a decision. I was a grown kid. I felt like I was a grown up. I was like, I'm going to go do this. So I was 17. I would have turned eight, uh, or I was 18. I would have turned 19 by the time I left. Uh, so I was like, I'm a grown up. I'll go do this. So I went down to the recruiting station, um, and signed up literally took the ASVAB I'm like sitting there like doing this boom 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 I come home I tell my mom I'm like hey just want to tell you something I joined the military and I'm uh I joined the Navy and I'm leaving in like a month right (laughs) she like has this like fit like any good mother should do right and uh she is like what in the world she's like no it's not happening she's bawling uh she's like no no (laughs) That's what she you told like, me. <laughs> right. In 1997, <laughs> you didn't pick up your phone either, right? And be like, let me look up the recruiting station. So yeah. she had to find the phone number for the recruiting station. 
um, in the white pages or the yellow pages or whatever, uh, and get this phone number and call these guys. And she is yelling at them on the phone. I've only <laughs> seen my mother yell at, uh, like a couple other people in my lifetime. And, uh, she's like, no, it's not happening. And so they convince <laughs> her that it is happening. Um, but it can happen at a later date. So, mm. uh, as I joined the military, I look back and like, you get asked that, right? Like yeah. you get asked this during the, your, your time. Like, why'd you join? What's your purpose? Um, my purpose was really like obscure because I had a father who just was not like the greatest man on the planet. Um, he was just very like abusive and whatnot like that. So it was unfortunate, uh, but it like created this person that is sitting in front of you. Yeah. Right. So it created this person that like overcome overcame obstacles to get to the place where I needed to be, and that's why I look at it like that's why I joined the Navy. I knew I needed something better than what I had. And so the Navy molded me into this dude that like you see in front of you, you I'm like <laughs> animated. I love life. I, uh, you know, do not want to cause harm to anybody kind of things. So that's a, I, I guess that's a long winded response to your answer. No, I, I like it. <laughs> so, but I also looked up, tell me if I'm like long winded. I'm so sorry, man. No, it's just thing. Um, so I looked up, uh, when I was young, I remember we lived on this cul-de-sac and, I like had started thinking about like, Hey, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Um, and I got this book of some sort and it had radio communications. It's like this dude in the jungle, he's got a radio on his back. And I was like, that looks so cool. Um, (laughs) so I was like, Oh, radio communication sounds so cool. So I I haven't been in it the entire 23 and a half years. I've been in the Navy. It's like 20 years. Right. Um, so when I came in the Navy, uh, they were called my rate or my job was mm-hmm. called RM or radio man. Oh, cool. So I went to boot camp, I went to training and then I went to Iceland. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so, and yeah. I like surprised the heck out of yeah. you. Cause I just told you a minute ago that I spent like, 20 years in Norfolk. Um, so insane. Right. So I went to Iceland. Uh, the most obscure place on the planet next to like Malta and yeah. Diego Garcia. <laughs> Um, so I went to Iceland. It's not as cold as it seems. I, I was like, this is awesome. So, but while I was there, I talked to, uh, P3 Orion's, uh, which is an aircraft that hunts submarines. So we basically really? communicated with them and, uh, made sure that they had communications to kind of report things that they found back. Um, and that was our job, right? Just to make sure that they had communications. Uh, super cool job. I loved every second of it. Also, it was in a really cool place. So we got to see all kinds of, you know, glaciers, waterfalls, all kinds of things that you get to see. So it took me somewhere I'd never been. And so it was super cool. Kid from West Texas, you know, Lubbock, West Texas, all the way to Iceland. I was like, sure, man, let's go. That's a unique experience. (laughs) (laughs) It's not every day that you get to like leave your hometown, right? You're from Cuba. So you understand like leaving and just going and this like fear, right? Like oh, yeah. you have this fear. Like, oh, what I, the hell am I gonna do? Exactly. Well, my mom's from Cuba. I was I was born here. Oh well, but either way, right? <laughs> yeah. So you understand that like coming from an, a a different country, a different place, oh, right? Yeah. Uh, so you know you live through that through your mother, right? Oh, yeah. And and so you understand like, hey, it's this fear, right? Oh, yeah. What the heck is going on? <laughs> uh, I remember being in Iceland and being like, I don't even know what I've done with myself. <laughs> like, uh, but you grow, right? Oh yeah. Uh, we both like have learned to overcome those adversities. So, so it was super awesome. So you started off um, doing radio work in the Navy, and then how do you make that kind of that tangent pivot turn, or how do you get into Man. IT in the Navy? So it was a pivot, right? Because like when we look back, right, that's 1999, 2000. 
Y2K. So now you're all like in the middle of this, like what was Y2K? <laughs> and this fear mongering of like, oh my God, the world's going to collapse. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, nothing so, will work. <laughs> and nothing will work. Do you, so, the, do you remember the Best Buy stickers? Uh-uh. So Best Buy, like every company was selling solutions for this, but they actually used to sell, and they had stickers on all the PCs. They said it was like, a sticker oh, it's says, Y2K. Y2K. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. Like, now I know. Reset exactly. your computer. <laughs> yes. So, so we're right in the middle of that like craziness, right? So we hear about this. I'm up in Iceland. I leave right around 2001. Um, so um, I uh, 99. You're gonna get me confused. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no worries. So man. 2000, 2001. I'm pretty sure Y2K happened while I was there. So I transition. I leave and come to Norfolk, Virginia. So. Um, they uh, drop me in this command that is like 25 people, mm-hmm. and I'm an E5, right? So, so we, what's an E5 right. for someone in layman's terms? So, in layman's terms, it, we like to call it the person who like takes all the crap from <laughs> leaders above and then like dishes out this crap to the leaders below or to the to the guys below them, right? So, it's right in the middle of the rank structure for uh, the military in general, right? So, your E5s in every military branch seem to do like most of the the grunt work if you will, right? Um, so they are like your middle middle of the road workers uh, that are just getting all the work done. Uh, they're either directing people or they're like, what do I need to do? Can we go yeah. home? Um, kind of things. So I was an e- brand new E5. I'd barely been in the Navy for like a minute. They were like dang near handing that rank out to people. Oh, really? Uh, so I came in <laughs> as an E1. So we're talking like 18 months and I was an E5. Oh, wow. So yeah, That's I came phenomenal. in as an E1, <laughs> boom, 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 and 18 months, uh, maybe a year later or two years later, I was like an E5. So I was like this brand new dude who like needed to lead people and like take crap from the leader above me. And I was like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> um, so um, I get to this command and they're like, hey, you're going to be the sysadmin. And I was like, I don't even know what you just said to me. <laughs> I just came from a command where I talked to P3, uh, to aircraft on a voice circuit. I have no idea what you're talking about. So they showed me this, these like, uh, they were computer towers. Yeah. We're talking like the late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. <laughs> so they're just these computer towers. They're not even servers. Like what you and I have seen, yeah. um, where it's, you know, rack mounted or anything. Yeah. And, um, they're like, that's our, that's our PDC our Oh my goodness. Primary to Yeah. PDC and BDC. Oh my goodness, man. I had to like reach back for that one. Uh, and it was on NT. Right. So I've like seemed like the worst of the worst and what we see now. Um, but basically they dropped me in this command and they said, Hey, be the sysadmin. I was like, listen, I cannot sit here in good faith and tell you guys that I have any idea what's going on. I was like, you need to send me to training like yesterday. Yeah. And so they did. Uh, and I was kind of surprised because I was just honest with the guy in charge. And he, I was like, listen, you've got to send me to training yeah. and you've got to send me to a lot of training. I've never done this. It's not even in my wheelhouse. Um, they sent me to training. They literally left and went on deployment. So he got on the ship, um, sent me to training. They left and went across the ocean. Oh, and they wow. were like, hey, you will meet us uh, when we get over there. And I was like, oh, wow. Oh, oh we're going to do this now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so not only was Iceland an experience, I got to basically leave from Norfolk, Virginia, and travel to Rome, Italy, and then dr- ride by train down to Naples and uh, meet the ship. Uh, and be picked up there. That's so incredible. I was like, sure, let's go. Um, by the time I was kind of like going through that process, uh, the next deployment that we had to do with that uh, that team, that staff, 
um, I was making recommendations to like upgrade servers to mm-hmm. like, hey, this is what we need to migrate to. This is how we do it. And uh, they like took full belief in me. And I was like, dude, this is kind of insane. Like I've barely been in IT, like, you know, making decisions for this team. Um, and then sure enough, uh, the, the monster that is Navy Marine Corps internet. So NMCI, um, like started coming into the picture and they started talking about like how it was going to take over everything and they were going to come in. I was like transitioning out and went to a totally different command. I was like, thank God. (laughs) Um, So uh, from there, I kind of went from being a sysadmin to being a database administrator. Super cool um, opportunity. The things I can talk about in that space are that there's these commands that plan missions for the gigantic cruisers missiles that you see shot up off these like aircraft and or the ships. And the submarines, yeah. you know, you see these missiles on, you know, Google image search, a Tomahawk cruise oh, yeah. missile. And um, they have missions inside them. Uh, in fact, right, great story. I'll tell you exactly what's funny. Um, have you seen that uh, new movie, Top Gun? Of course. Uh, Maverick, yeah. right? So in that movie, they talk about how there is this uh, ventilation system in the middle of that mountain, right? Right. And they're like, hey, look, it's so uh, amazing that you guys are going to have to, or it's so hard to get a missile in there. You guys are going to have to go in there. We're going to have to go inverted. Uh, you know, they're so extensive about it. I'm like, sure. Um, so basically what they were alluding to is that GPS was being jammed in that area. And so that's what those some of those missiles are guided by. Yep. So somebody has to plan that, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't just like shoot a missile in the air and pray to God it gets to its target. There's like a lot of uh, this planning and execution that goes on that says, hey, um, go here, checkpoint, go here, checkpoint. And so I worked at that command where we did that. Oh, wow. And so the other piece of that is, though, like it's not just checkpoint like, hey, I need the coordinates of X spot on the ground Mm -hmm. um, so that it can coordinate with the satellites. Right. So there's imagery that goes into it. Mm -hmm. So my job and my team's job was to uh, take these CDs or DVDs and sadly some of these VHS tapes. Whoa. Uh, right, right, right. <laughs> and, um, and like download the, like bring in all that data, mm-hmm. right? And so if they needed imagery from X place on the earth, yeah. we would upload it into the system for them. So Man- Manually. Manually, right? <laughs> right. So no cloud, no cloud, right? We're still in the world of where we don't have this stored in the cloud, even yeah. a secure cloud. Um, which is insane because it was just storage upon storage. It was like the best DVD collection on the planet. <laughs> um, so and that was normal, right? So yeah. uh, you even look, and that was like two thousand, like five. Oh my gosh! You know, and you're like, <laughs> dude. But it was awesome time, man. Uh, so I worked in an environment where it was a skiff, mm-hmm. so it was a secured control. Uh, sensitive compartmented information facility. So it was basically a facility that we could talk about things that mm. didn't leave the room. Yeah. So there's this understanding, right? You don't like talk about that crap. Yeah. Um, so and that's why I kind of feel like, eh, so <laughs> um, I don't even know if the time has passed long enough. You remember the, as the war trim, uh, trickled on over there, um, you'd like see these clips of um, news reporters and there'd be explosions in the back and whatnot like that. Yeah. Uh, at one point, I believe they identified that we like planned the mission for this explosion that occurred in the background. <laughs> and they're like, oh, 
you know, so they're all excited about the work that they've done and whatnot. So it's super cool. Um, it was a great time. I got to like near the end of my time there, I got to like, uh, go and audit or inspect, um, other commands that did the mm -hmm. same thing, uh, and try to like raise their standards. Right. So it's a huge thing that we do in the Navy. We try to like hold each other accountable. Yep. Um, and so I did that near the end of the time there. Um, I eventually I moved on. I, I stayed in Norfolk, Virginia forever. It seems like met my wife in 2006. So it like completely changed my, the trajectory of my career to stay in that area. Um, so I moved from there to a helicopter squadron. Oh, really? Yeah. So I think previously, uh, you, when you and I talked, I don't think I mentioned that I had like had been at this helicopter squadron. It's like a, such a bad memory for me. Um, they like treated me like very, like a third rate citizen. Mm -hmm. Um, because they're aviation, like they're like, oh, we, we fly airplanes and stuff. Aren't they still part of the Navy though? Yeah, they are. Yeah, same huge, team. Like, yeah. <laughs> but it's just like that Top Gun, man. Like yeah. they're like, oh, we're pilots. Yeah. Like, okay, thanks guys. Do they have guys. the aviators and everything? Or? Oh yeah. yeah. Dudes <laughs> were, yeah, it's just like, okay, cool. You jump out of helicopters. Cool. Thanks buddy. Um, you know what I do? I do ones and zeros. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so. Those helicopters crash without me. Yeah. <laughs> It's a funny story. So the best part of that whole command outside of the, just the crap, right? Um, the unfortunate thing is a kind of an unfortunate story, but it was an awesome, uh, a time for me to be able to like help somebody. Um, so this helicopter crashes in the mountains. Um, it is cold. It is like very on, it just, you don't traverse that terrain very easily. So this helicopter crashes. They like call me up and they're asking me about the uh, devices inside the uh, helicopter. So I'm like mm -hmm. on the phone and trying to find out what we need to do. I'm like, the helicopter's crashes in the middle of God's nowhere. Yeah. Um, like, why do we need to worry about it? They're like, no, get that stuff off the helicopter. <laughs> like the, the IT gear or the data or so the, or there's the people, uh, cryptographic or? devices on there yep. so that they can communicate back to the shore uh, via secure means, things mm -hmm. like that. So they uh, like um, identifying friend or foe, things like yeah. that, all that kind of stuff there's devices in there that are, are um, you know, sensitive. So sure. they want those devices out of the helicopter. And I'm like, yep. listen, man, sure. I'll tell them. So we got them to get them out of there. Really? Um, but the big part, the part that was really uh, interesting to me, and I guess was a good time for me and the aspect of, I got to like take this laptop. Uh, they're like, Hey, listen, this guy's like kind of like from his legs down. He, you know, can't move right now. And he's in North Carolina. And we were in up in Norfolk, Virginia. We're like, hey, we're we're gonna like fly down there and see him. And I was like, we're just, we're just gonna go do that. And they're <laughs> like, yeah. And uh, we want you to take him a laptop so that he can work. And I was like, man, say no more. I was like, that sounds really cool. So I got to take this helicopter ride down to North Carolina for like an hour and a half, uh, like sitting and watching out <laughs> the side of the helicopter as we like fly by things. It was that's so awesome. amazing. Uh, I was like, dude, this is probably like the second or third best thing that's happened to me in the Navy. Yeah. Unfortunate thing, the guy was, you know, injured and whatnot. And, yeah. but we got him kind of like set up and able to work so that he could just feel, uh, you know, the need. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I think that's a big thing. Right. So if you talk to veterans, they just want to feel the need. Oh, yeah. Right. And, uh, and that's a big, big piece of it. So from there I went to, oh man, now I've got to like do the rewind <laughs> from there. I went to, oh, I went to this place called Network, Net War, Network Warfare Command, right? So Naval Network Warfare Command. 
So basically, we were this. Uh, yeah, t- we talked about NMCI a hot second ago. Yeah. Um, so we were this command called uh, GSOC. Uh, so Global Support Operations Command inside Networkcom. Um, and basically, we we're these guys where we were tracking incidents and events that happened uh, all across the Navy's networks. Mm-hmm. And let's pretend that there was like this event in your account, you needed assistance, and somebody was supposed to be helping you. We could like turn off people's accounts. Yep. Couldn't turn them back on, but we could turn them off uh, for whatever reason. But we basically were monitoring all the events that occurred that were around the Navy's networks. Um, and so we were, you know, taking all that and then briefing the, you know, the commander and whatnot. So it was this kind of this group of people. Uh, it was a small command uh, that got absorbed by a bigger command, but basically we were this small command that was tracking all this data with civilians. Uh, it was super awesome. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, the, while I was there, so I was there 17 days and they were like, Hey, we need somebody with your skills. Do you mind going on deployment? So I like run home and I'm like, listen, they asked me if I can go on deployment. And I said, yes. And my wife's like, sure. Go do what you gotta do, dude. (laughs) So I went on deployment 17 days after reporting to his brand new command. So I just went on a ship, some random ship that needed me. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you, you know where you're going to go. You just no, yeah. We do. So funny story. Uh, as we get out there, we're basically hunting pirates out in the middle of uh, like, do you know where Djibouti, Africa is? Yeah. So basically, that little horn right there. Yeah. Uh, we basically uh, were tracking pirates and whatnot. Really? So pulled into Djibouti, Africa, numerous times. Everybody's like, "Have you ever been to Djibouti?" I'm like, "Yeah, dude. Like, yeah, <laughs> the Air Force uh, galley is amazing there." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, after I get back, I came back and got qualified to do, you know, my job, uh, since I had no time to do, start doing that before <laughs> I left. Um, so I, um, came back, got qualified, did my job. Uh, and then this new thing came up. We moved into a new building, uh, across the Hampton roads area and this, uh, volunteer opportunity came up. So they, took this ship called the USS Ponce and they decided to make it into a spec warfare, special warfare uh, platform. Really? So they took this ship and they're like, listen, we're going to like make it in a float forward staging base. So these spec war guys can land on it. They can get all their crap together and they can like operate from there. Right. So they can go to these plat, these oil platforms, things like that. And I was like, Oh man, that sounds really cool. And my boss who is the chief at the time, he's like, you should go. And I was like, oh, okay, dude, I'll fly, whatever, cool. So I kind of get all the, the documentation. In the Navy, we don't, like, apply online because, God forbid, yeah. we actually do something, like, electronic. <laughs> um, you have to, like, fill out this message and, like, type everything in and then send it off. When was that? And this was in, like, 2014, I think. Oh, wow. So we're talking, like, the internet's, eight, a, the internet's here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The internet's here. Electric forms are here. Yeah. Adobe is doing electric yeah. forms. Got DocuSign, all this <laughs> stuff. <Yeah>. So crazy. <laughs> Um, so I, uh, I like submit and of the candidates, they pick me and this other dude mm-hmm. uh, and they're like, so I don't know how many people applied. I'm, I'm not even going to try to pretend that I was like selected out of a hundred or 20 or whatever, mm-hmm. but me and this other dude got selected. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, basically want, we want you guys to like take this network that we almost killed mm-hmm. and we want you to bring it back to life. And we're like, okay, okay. <laughs> like you sure? This network like had these old switches on it. We had to learn a whole new language. How old are we talking? So, uh, like 
so imagine that the ship is being decommissioned, right? So taken out of service. So it's like 40 years. So like it could be in the next last 10 years that they had just put these switches on there. And so we're like, what in the world? It's not Cisco. I think, I think it was, uh, I don't want to say, I think it was Juniper, but I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. But at all different CLI. Yeah. And so we're having to sit in there having to try to like understand oh, what we're doing and be like, so we can turn ports on, so yep. we can reconfigure configurations. Things like that. It was just so insane. It was the old version of the way we set up networks on ships. Jeez. So we're like, dude, sure, we'll make this happen. So we did make it happen. We uh, got it working. We actually had this functionality, right? So um, they like put more network infrastructure. They tore out berthings where people slept and whatnot. Yeah. Um, they tore those out and like built these operating spaces for the seals and whatnot, the oh, cool. rangers and seals. Yeah. So. Basically, they made this big giant operation space where they had TVs on the wall and switches running into there, and so that everybody could sit down. You could probably set eighty people in there. Oh wow! And I was like, they are never going to use all this. There's <laughs> just no way. I mean, yeah. we literally had like four or five people in there sitting on the edges of the of the aisle. Um, but basically, they had it where we could. Uh, we told them, listen, we need to be able to like segregate those networks, but we want to be able to use the network infrastructure while it exists and i'd never seen this done but the guy came up with this switch literally a mechanical switch so we basically went in there and turned it so that it disconnected the segmented the network so that it could not talk to our network oh cool and then flip it back when they left so we could utilize their their drops and whatnot it was like the i was like this is insane i can't even believe we're doing this that's awesome. Did he MacGyver it or what? Do Dude, you, it's like a MacGyver thing. So we <laughs> literally walked in there and just flipped a switch. Yeah, and it turned like allowed us to access all the do- drops on that side of the network. That's awesome. I was like, this yeah. is insane. <laughs> uh, so some of the things that I got to see were, uh, you know, unreal. I literally was in charge of uh, like seven or eight people. We had to like uh, talk to Apache helicopters landing on the deck. So I'm doing communications again, yeah, and I'm doing the network stuff and leading those guys. Like, so I'm like doing both sides of my job, yeah, um, and making sure that this thing stays literally afloat. <laughs> um, so it was insane. So there was only 55 military on there. So my IT was probably like the team was probably the biggest portion of that. So we're like basically doing communications and IT stuff. So it was amazing. Um, got back home from that. I spent literally like 15 months doing that. So it was like a long deployment. They like were like, hey, you're going to be over there. We took it all the way over to Bahrain, took that ship all the way over to Bahrain. Uh, and they were just, uh, I want to say within the last eight years, so, eight years or so probably, they replaced it with a different ship. So it has this weird, they can like um, ballast the ship down so they can get uh, some of the SEAL boats in there, things like that. So they can land helicopters on the top of it. It's a massive looking tanker ship. That's clever. So they've totally... Uh, they totally redesigned the thought process for it. Yeah. Um, so super interesting opportunity. And then I came back and uh, a few, like a year and a half later. Um, so as you know, we make rank. We talked about making rank, how early I made uh, E5. Um, so I was in E6 for like the longest time. I knew I wasn't ready to like, hey, look, I just know I, I need some like time under my belt. I need to lead people things like that. I made the next rank in 2013. So I literally was came back was literally a year and a half. And I was not ready to like make this next rank. I was like, what in the world? It just came. I was like, Okay, cool. 
Making the next rank in the Navy is huge um, as far as E7 goes. Mm-hmm. So they don't call it an E7 in the Navy. It's okay. a chief. Oh, okay. So we will so – I say that right and I say it lightly only, like you said, in layman's terms. Yeah. So um, you'll never hear somebody in the Navy be like, oh, an E7. <laughs> no, we call it a chief. Um, and then a senior chief and a master chief. And uh, people always try to be like, hey, what's that? Like my dad asks me all the time. He's like, what's the difference? Are you going to make – you make the uh, Mickey eight. And I was like, no dad, I'm trying to make senior chief stop. You know, like, um, so, um, I made chief and it was probably like the best experience of my life. Right. You like look at it, look back on it and you're like, that was worth every second of it. It was daunting. It was six weeks. So they take you away from your job and they're like, Hey, listen, uh, you still have to do your job, but we're going to train you for six weeks. And I'm like, they really pull you away from your job. They literally take you away and like, come over here. Uh, and then they give you all this tasking, right? So it looks like this sheet in front of us and it's got all these like taskers on it and you've got to try to finish it. And they're all unaccomplishable. Really? Like, it's all tasks that you can't get done because you're overwhelmed by the like nature of what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And so you're like reprogramming this person to think differently, like how do I accomplish this without like failing? Yeah. Um, and you just really want to accomplish it because you're trying to please the person in front of you. And you're like, dude, I need to get this done. Um, and you try to remove that I, right? I need to get this done. And you start to think about like the we need to get this done. And so um, you like fail and fail and fail. And you get down to like the last, so the fourth week or the fifth week. And they start to like, gain this confidence for some unnatural reason. (laughs) Um, And you become this person that will tell people no. And like, hey, no, we can't do that. Like, stop. Like, hey, you know, this is silly. And you start to like push back and you start to realize that you have this like, this badassness in you that you're like, hey, listen, this is not going to happen this way. We can't do this. Um, and then they do this thing called final night, right? I won't get into the details of like what it is or why it is. Yeah. Um, but you know how Marines like go through their, um, the, they oh, have NCOs, like their hell week or yeah. whatever. Um, like, so we do that in one night. Like, oh shit. That's so <laughs> or one day, right? So we start off at 5 a.m. and we literally just kind of go through the motions of what we've done for six weeks. You know, so we got like give tasks, they give us tasks, they like, PTU until you're tired. So real goal is to make you tired. And what's, the, what's PTU just in layman's Oh, terms. PT. So like workout, right? Okay. So we go on marches. We like work out, crawl over each other in the sand, out of the sand. Oh, geez. Um, events where it's historical, right? So like what the, like, so you're there to learn just as well as you are there to be tired. Um, but it's meant to kind of like bring you into this moment um, that you're about to join a group of people that consider themselves very, um, have high standards, right? right? This fraternity. And so, um, by the end of the night, you are exhausted. You have no, like, you're like, what are we doing here? You know, <laughs> uh, I remember one moment, uh, so I can't tell you this piece. It's kind of funny. Um, so the sailor of the year, uh, happens in the Navy. So we have this person, these four people-ish, five people-ish, that uh, make rank through a process uh, by merit. So they basically are, uh, their commands have said, hey, they've done this. They go through this board process, numerous board processes, where they sit and ask questions, uh, answer questions um, to a board, and they are selected, 
right? So they're like, hey, this person is worthy of putting on the next rank early. So before us, right? So we had one of these people in my group uh, as I went through this process. She was already wearing like her anchors and her new uniform. And so she comes to us and she's going through this process and we're like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. what in the world? <laughs> so um, funny story. We get to the final night portion of it. And she's there. And uh, before we knew what we were doing, they had us dig this hole in the sand in this beach. So we dig this hole and we're like, whatever, dude. Um, and so they circle us up and it's like the sun is setting. It looks like, you know, like any of those movies that you see where people are working out on the beach and they're yeah. all gathered up, whatever. So um, they're like, okay, so of your group, who has worked the least in your group this entire six weeks? Man, all er, there were 10 of us, including her, and all uh, nine of us were like, you, get in the hole. <laughs> we had no qualms, man. At this point, we were so savage to each other. We were like, nah, just get in the hole. <laughs> and so she, they have pictures of this young lady uh, standing in the middle of this hole in the beach, and then seconds go by, right? And they're like, you should all be in the hole. And we're like, oh, man, we cannot win even on the little things. So sure enough, you know, we're all like, oh, great. We did. We like failed that one, too. Um, and then the final piece is like really convincing somebody that you deserve to be there. And it was it's just so daunting on your emotions. And like you really realize that this brotherhood and sisterhood of uh, what you've joined is amazing and nobody can question it. Uh, and so the next seven years I spent being a chief and that really define is defined as like the fact that you're supposed to take care of your people. Mm -hmm. You take care of the mission that the Navy has given you, take care of your people. And so that's what I did. Like, I just took care of people. I was like, this is amazing. I know how to do this. Um, learned lots of great things from great people, learned a lot of bad things from people that I did not ever want to do again. Um, and so um, as I moved from uh, that network on command, I uh, moved to a ship. Let me tell you the story, man. This is amazing. <laughs> I don't know how much time we have left, but we this is money. amazing. Um, so I like email this guy and I'm like, hey, man, listen, uh, I've never been on a ship. So my entire career, mm -hmm. I had never been stationed on a ship. So people look at me what? just like you looked at me like, what? I thought uh, no, so like sailors, they they belong on ships, and I'm an IT. I should have gone to a ship yeah. way early on. Um, so literally like 14 years into my career, and I had 14, 15 years in my career, I had not been stationed on a ship at ship's company. And people were like, you're what? kidding me. So now I'm a chief, and I'm this guy who's supposed to lead people on a ship. And I was like, oh, this is going to be terrifying. <laughs> So I emailed this dude who just made chief. He's like brand, a brand new chief. And I was like, hey, dude, listen, man, I uh, have never been stationed on a ship. So like some of the intricacies of like what you guys do there and whatnot like that, I have never had to deal with. And so he's like, oh, okay, cool, man. So I come over and visit. I'm checking in. We go see the master chief. So if for those that don't know, man, master chiefs are these scary people. Um, they're not scary in a bad way. Uh, they are, are just wise beyond their years for whatever reason. Um, and they have like the quippiest way of like responding to people. And so to understand that part of the story, I had to tell you that, but we go and see this command master chief. He's been around, like he's got a mustache. that looks like a broom that you get at home Depot for your shop. <laughs> right. So, uh, and a bald head. And I'm like, Oh man, this dude's going to be good. So 
I'm I'm confident. I'm like, hey, you know, nice to meet you, Scott. Uh, he'll figure it out once he hears. I'm gonna like send this to him once we get done with this, and be like, hey, I talked about you on this podcast. <laughs> um, but this dude's like, hey, Ken has something he wants to tell you, and I was like, dude, you did not just put me on the spot. <laughs> so I have to tell. I'm like honest and kind of forthcoming with information. And uh, I was like, listen, man, I've never been on a ship. This is my first time. And uh, he's like, really? And I was like, how? Like, Dude, I, yes, I know. He's like, okay, first year. So that is literally like a slang and an ins Like we kind of punch the brand new chiefs in the, in the face a little yeah. bit and call them first years because they, yeah. they don't know how to transition from being that rank to this new rank. And so they act a little bit silly. Uh, so he started calling me first year. I'd been a chief for like three years. Oh, really? So he's calling me first year. So it leads on, it goes on, it goes on. I've been on, the, I was on the ship for three years. What kind of ship was it? It's a um, LHD. So it's this massive ship. It's probably the biggest ship compared to uh, an aircraft carrier. Yeah. So it has a flight deck, vertical takeoff. So like your um, the jets that can hover. Oh yeah. And then take and then fly off and then helicopters. And so Marines go on there. The ship can sink, and uh, take on hovercraft. Uh, so that tanks can go inside and things like that. Marine, we deploy Marines, basically. Oh, cool. Yeah, super cool. Yeah. Um, so this guy, this command master chief, he gets the uh, the CO and XO calling me first year, too. And oh, I'm no. like, what the hell? In front of, like, the entire wardroom, I'm like, so I just kind of became a, a really, like, it wasn't a bad joke, I don't think. Yeah. I think it was more so like a, uh, like, hey, ha-ha, kind of punch you in the arm kind yep. of thing. Uh, but it was goodness in it. Um, so, uh, I moved on from there and went to back to that. So Netwarcom was, uh, the command I was at previously. Mm -hmm. And then I went to this command called Navy Cyber Defense Operations Command and, um, and managed like 75 people. It was, the, it was like the most people I've ever managed and like this crazy job. So I'd always dealt with them and never really like understood their job. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I was thrown into the thick of it. And so we basically uh, took all the vulnerabilities that were occurring and uh, we mitigated those. So like if you had peer-to-peer -peer software, you had beaconing on your um, network, uh, we were the ones that were going to reach out to you and be like, hey, like you have this going on. We need to help you. Yep. Um, so that's what my team did. Um, and as I get to the end of my like life in the Navy, um, I was like really ready to exit the Navy. I was really yeah. ready to exit. Uh, so I spent 23 years and seven months and everybody's like, Ken, why didn't you just go to 24? And I was like, dude, it's when you know, you know, like you mm. are exiting, you're ready to go. So I, um, I was ready to go at two. I like put my papers in at two years, uh, and started working on becoming a civilian, trying to figure out what that looked like for me. So you gave them two years notice. Yeah. That's really polite. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> most, well, most people get two weeks, yes. not, even, not even that these days. So in the Navy, you can give two years. And then I uh, was following some uh, some veteran like groups on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And uh, some other services only give like 12 months. So I can't imagine doing something for 20-something years and then being like, hey, you have to figure out what life looks like now. Yeah. Like, go look what life looks like. Change your whole everything about you. Um, so I've been programmed like, hey, this is where you're going to go. This is your paycheck. This is your, like... I don't have to worry about life insurance or, you know, yeah. um, insurance. health insurance yeah. at all. Like I just went to the doctor. My yeah. family went to the doctor. And so um, there are things 
that my brain was not ready for, right? I did not know how to go be a civilian. So I was glad that I like took that two years and really transitioned my brain to say, hey, listen, um, people are different on the outside and you oh, have yeah. to change that. And so I started changing that and I was ready to go. I was like, listen, I'm trying to get out of here. Mm. Um, and um, I found this program called Hiring Our Heroes, which like huge shout out, right? Um, this program is taking care of veterans so that they can transition from the military to civilian life and like really giving them opportunities. We're not just talking about like, Hey, you can go work at Google. Hey, you can go work at X and Y. They have like this requirement that the company has to hire so many of these people. Yep. Um, so I was like, this is insane. Cool. Perfect. Um, so I was sitting down, I like, I'm super, uh, I don't want to say aggressive as a bad word, right? But it was aggressive. Persistence. Persistent. That's good. <laughs> Thanks. It's, mar it's marketing. <laughs> so I was persistent and I was like, listen, man, I'm literally trying to get a job. I'm not going to sit around here and like twiddle my thumbs. He's like, listen, Ken, go, you know, apply for jobs, go look for this stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, so I would get up and sit down for a little bit every morning and just kind of look at jobs and really dig deep. And so I applied was, to was it on LinkedIn or were you looking oh, at dude, all forums looking or everywhere? Yep. So I was on LinkedIn, I was on Glassdoor, I was on Indeed, I was oh, a yeah. monster. I was like crushing everything I could. And so I start digging. I like apply for jobs that make sense to me, mm -hmm. you know, being connected to the military. So Lockheed Martin, yep. Raytheon, things like that. Um and I like thought, hey, wait a minute, like let me go look at Amazon one day. I don't know what triggered that thought process, mm -hmm. um, but I did. And I was like, okay, cool. So I quick, like, oh, I'm an IT manager, manage ITs. Boom. Shows up. I was like, no, what, what in the world? <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to play this game. So I literally apply. I'm like, just shot in the dark. I literally get up and like walk off from my computer. Sorry. All good. So walk off from my computer and I'm like, whatever, dude. Um, I email the dude and tell him what I've done. Like, Hey, I applied for this job at Amazon. Boom, boom. And so he, um, he doesn't even like, he's like, okay, thanks, Ken. These dudes reach out to me and they're like, Hey, Ken, we want to set up an interview with you. And I was like, let me back up. I'm sorry, top. <laughs> so my buddy that I mentioned in the very beginning, yeah. he like reaches out to me less than 12 hours later. And he's like, Hey dude, your resume came across my desk. And I was like, is this like real? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is going on? Is this how this works in the real world? I was like, no way. So he and I start having a conversation. Uh, super motivated dude. Super great dude. Great personality. He is like, becomes my best friend. Like that's yeah. the relationship we're building here. And so um, their HR reaches out to me and was like, hey, we want to like interview. And I was like, okay, cool. So I get dressed up yep. like uh, button down shirt, tie, blah, blah, blah. And they like send me a link to, you know, log into their Amazon chime. I'm oh, yeah. like, okay, cool. Um, and they proceed to be like, Hey, we want to make sure that you're serious about this job. And I was like, I'm like a veteran dude. Like I'm, if I'm yeah. like applying, I'm probably serious. Like I'm going to take this serious. Yeah. And so I was like, yes, I'm like interested. I'm serious. And they're like, Hey, here's the salary. And I was like, my eyes get like, you know, like, Silver dollars, yeah. like what? Whoa. <laughs> um, like, because when you come out of the military, I don't think that people understand what somebody even in my position, right? 23, 23 and a half years. Yeah. I don't even know my value. I didn't yeah. understand my value. 
And so uh, when they told me that number, it was going to be a shock to me because I'm like, really? And now I look at that, look back on that year, uh, year later, and I'm like, yeah, I'm probably worth a little more than I, you know, yeah. <laughs> gave myself credit for. So uh, that wasn't even the interview. That's what's sad. Um, they're like, okay, hey, we're going to set it up with this uh, regional manager and this uh, IT manager, and we'll like let you know. It should be next week. I was like, okay, cool. So I had a 45-minute interview, and uh, they like the dude messaged me again after I got off the phone. I'm like thinking to myself, like, man, I hope I didn't like make a fool of myself, you know, I hope I'm good. He's like, Hey dude, you're inclined. And I was like, yo, you got to tell me what inclined means. Yeah. I was, gonna, I was just about to ask you. <laughs> and so it basically just means like, Hey, look, we're, we're, you know, yes, mm-hmm. we want you to come on board. That's awesome. So that was my journey. That's the start of my journey, uh, into Amazon. Um, it has been like a roller coaster. Yeah. Um, joining Amazon. I did not know that that monster was so big, right? It, it consumes our world. They're more than just books. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> So they're not just selling books anymore, right? And funny you should say that, right? So humorous story real quick. Um, I got to go see a make on demand. So uh, make on demand literally means that we just make it. So if you order a t-shirt on Amazon, yeah. chances are they're probably going to make it. They don't have it sitting on a shelf. They are going to make it. Amazon itself. Amazon itself. Like, really? they will literally make shirts. Is that for Amazon branded or, they, no, or more? Companies. Them? So, if you have a, say you have a t-shirt business. Yeah. And you want to sell all your t-shirts and you're like, hey, boom, 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 boom. And you, like, give them all the things, right, to make these t-shirts. Yeah. They will make the t-shirt as it's ordered. And then, boom, and push it out the door. So, we make books. There's literally a bookstore. We call it a bookstore. Here in uh, Capel, Texas. So next time you order a softback book, yeah, uh, flip to the front or the back. I think it's in the back. It'll say Capel, Texas on it. Really? So I ordered a book just for fun. I was like, I got to do this. Yeah. So I ordered a book. I've seen them like doing books. It's like massive rolls of paper. It's printers. It's these. You'd be like, dude. So um, I ordered a book, flipped it open. Sure enough, it said Capel, Texas, you know, in Amazon. Really? And I was like, dude, what in the world? So even if it's like a third party, because like I know like, I order a lot of books from Amazon because I read a lot. And like Penguin Publishing is a pretty big classic company. Yeah. Would they print it for them or on their behalf? It's basically on their behalf, right? So really? give them that like, I'm not saying that that company specifically, oh, yeah, 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 but, but, but right. Conceptually. Conceptually. Um, I'm a book company, Penguin, yeah. that you mentioned. Uh, I tell them like, Hey, I have this book that we want to pub that we're publishing. Um, they don't want to go out and print a hundred thousand books, right? right? Or even whatever they believe they're going to sell 10,000. So they don't need to like store 10,000 copies. Oh, yeah. They can just be like, Hey, look, here's the PDF, if you will, mm-hmm. um, print this every time it's ordered. Really? So it's crazy, dude. I was like, no way. I would have thought that they'd have been on the shelf. Like they yeah. were getting a book off. I was like, holy cow. So no, they print them. That's going to help out those publishing companies. Cause that's just like movies. That's one of the most brutal, tough industries. Because ninety, you know, ninety nine percent of movies, ninety nine percent of books do not make money. They cost money. Oh yeah, like they're losers, fiscally speaking. And yeah. then every once in a while, they'll get lucky. They'll have a writer like Stephen King or J.K. Rowling come along, <laughs> and all of a sudden, you're set for life. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and the, so hardback books, we don't. So everything softback yeah. is going to be huge. You know, so they're going to print those. Those hardback books, those are like literally sitting on shelves somewhere. Yeah. Um, for those because they know they will sell. So it's mm-hmm. not a like, well, if it does sell, right? No, they know like J.K. Rowling is going to sell a Harry Potter book. Oh, yeah. Like every five <laughs> seconds. You know, I don't know if that, that like we said in the beginning, statistics are all made up. So exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, so I got into, I, I was 
brand new. I was like, man, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Yeah. And my buddy's like, man, just kind of slow down, man. I, he's like, I know where you come from. I know your high speed. Um, he's like, just slow down, man. And so what I learned is that Amazon is really laid back, right? Really? So even just um, me and you wearing polo shirts and a button-down shirt, yeah. this is like way dressed up for Amazon. Like, really? show up in a T-shirt, show up in shorts. That's cool. So, you know, so the atmosphere and the culture changed my, like, a, like the way I looked at things. Like, yeah. hey, we can be laid back and still get business done. Like, yeah. let's just calm down. <laughs> and so um, that turned a corner for me. Uh, and then I started seeing these buildings, man. And I see things like a gigantic Hercules robot arm moving pallets into the air and, and uh, totes into the air. And I'm like, this is insane. Like, we are <laughs> moving product around for people and getting it to them. Um, so I got to my site. Finally get to my site. It's in South Dallas, Texas. Um, it's a million square feet. It's a mile and a half around that sucker. Mile and a half. <laughs> Seems, dude, I've like literally counted steps and been like, bruh, why? <laughs> that, that's so good. If you, if you walk literally around the edge of it, right? So there's no real, like we cut cut corners and yeah. whatnot. But if you walk around the edge of it, it's dang near a mile and a half. And I'm like, dude, you could get a workout just from like, just taking a stroll around yeah. the site. Um, so like three quarters of my building is this thing that we call an AR field. So it's an Amazon robotics uh, field. Um, so we put this fence up and we cage these robots that look like gigantic Roombas. Really? So if you Google it, you can Google oh, yeah. it or YouTube it or whatever. You can see the robotics. Uh, it's no se big secret. We uh, basically have these gigantic Roombas mm -hmm. that uh, move around each other and carry the product in these tall pods, if you will. Mm -hmm. So um, they take the product to a person. They will pick it off of there and like drop it into a tote or pull it off and set it in a bin and then they will put it in a box. Right. And it goes out the door. Um, so we're basically taking all this product. Every time you push buy now, uh, it could come to my site and we could like pick your product, drop it in a box, package it up, put a shipping label on it and send it down the road. So we're like the first mile is what it's called. So the first mile is those people that you like you ordered X on Amazon or yeah. ordered, you know, like your liquid death, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I did actually. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you order that and then somebody packages that up. So it's the first mile, right? Somebody's got to put a shipping label on it. Um, the middle mile and that last mile are it, like that those transition points where we are taking that product and getting it closer to you. And then that last mile is that blue truck that shows up out front of your door. Hopefully, yes. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I, don't, um, I, so. don't, I don't always lose packages, but when I do, it's USPS. <laughs> no, right, right. <laughs> like, that's that's the biggest selling point for Amazon is the customer service. Like, oh, huge. you ever have an issue, they fix it without question. Like, yep. no other company. Like, I can't think of any company that's that quick and responsive and respectful of their clients. Oh, they're huge. It's man. amazing. Yeah, and I think that, like, the bad, like, get so much attention and that's what's like it's so daunting to see yeah. i like work inside the in the internal part and you've seen the customer service oh, yeah. or obsession that we have from an external point of view mm. and it's just insane that like the bad seems to get this like broader attention or this greater attention and uh it's amazing because we do care about our customers yeah we care about them so much that we will bend over backwards for you we are better than walmart in that aspect right yeah you like send something back to us and we're like Oh, this didn't like it was wrong. It was listed wrong on the site. It was yeah. 
not the right size. It was X, Y, and Z. We're going to like literally take care of it. We will get it done. And, and we will bend over backwards trying to get it done for you. Um, and so that's what's crazy is that people like complain or get upset. I, I think well, those are one-offs. Well, it's unfortunate though, but it, it is a cultural thing. Cause I've, I've done a lot of research on, you know, why does negative news, why is it so popular? Why, yeah. why is every, why do they focus on it? Well, there's several studies that'll say negative news travels seven times more than positive news, oh, yeah. which is sad because I've noticed that like I'll post positive things. Like if I have a good interaction with a company and that, Posts won't get as many links or clicks or views when yep. I'm doing it on LinkedIn as if I'm just talking about like um, a positive thing that happened with a business or oh, yeah. a milestone. Like they, it's just not as many clicks. But like with Amazon, I think the first order I ever had where something went wrong, it was maybe four or five years ago. I was in an apartment complex that was terribly logistically laid out. It was hard to tell which mailbox yeah. went where. And I had some of those. Birchwood Casey splat targets they use at the range. Yeah. And I just didn't get it, but it said it was delivered. Oh. Like, dang it. So I went on you know, Amazon, went on the chat bot. And I mean, within not even minutes, I had customer service on the phone and they gave me a refund right then and there. When in all honesty, probably it was USPS or a third party yeah. dropping Trying the ball. to drop it off. Yeah, yeah. they dropped it off. And I was just astonished. And the only other issue I had was like, the only other issue was, I want to say, maybe. Three weeks ago, that's a great story about the beauty and the efficiency of the private sector. So three years ago, I had two issues. One was with the Amazon order. One was with the state uh, government issue. Yeah. So Amazon ordered some whey protein and, you know, I did the tracking code and I noticed, oh yeah, it said it was delivered at this date and delivered via allegedly USPS. Here's the tracking ID. And thankfully I have a ring, great Amazon, great (laughs) billion dollar acquisition. So I had my ring footage to show. Yeah, that never happened. So I get in the Amazon chat within one minute. I am talking to a real person on the <laughs> chat feature within six minutes. Yeah. She goes into the system. She goes, oh, yeah, we had a couple complaints about this seller. We will refund you immediately or give you credit, you know, give you credit. Yeah. I'm like, OK, yeah, just give me a refund. So within six minutes, they solved my entire issue. Yeah. And Con- you were probably frustrated, right? Like oh, yeah. six minutes to make you feel happy. Like, I mean, give you that that feeling like, hey, thank you. Yeah. Now, contrast that I had an issue with the government, and I was on hold for 47 minutes. <laughs> so, and you probably still didn't get your uh, problem resolved, almost. <laughs> no, I, uh, no, and it, it is uh, no. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Like you're, still, you're like, dude, why yeah. does it take so long? It's just so. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Amazon has one of the best track records. I mean, that's what Jeff is all about. You yep. ever hear the story about his customer service um, conference call? No, yeah, no. This is fascinating. So. I have a story for you, by the way, oh, uh, about his uh, like frugality and the way he thinks. Oh, yeah? Uh, so please tell your story. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, no worries, man. So one of my favorite examples of customer service where Jeff always bragged, like, we need to have a customer service rep. I think this was maybe 10 years ago where phone support was more prevalent. Yeah. He said he wanted his customer service rep you know, on the phone as soon as possible. And I think it was the chief customer officer. There's an executive in the room, and they were doing the roundtable discussion. He goes, yeah, Jeff goes, what's our customer talk time? Or what's, what's that time delay for them to get someone on the phone? And the guy goes, oh, go, go, oh, we're doing great. It's five minutes, Jeff. It's awesome. Jeff goes, all right. Jeff pulls out his cell phone, calls his customer support. The room goes silent. <laughs> Three minutes go by. Five minutes go by, I'm sure. Ten minutes go by. <laughs> it's all, it's going 30 minutes. It, it gets, up, well, it's like 15 minutes. And finally, a gal picks up the phone, and, you know, she's working for Amazon. And he goes, oh, hey, how are you doing? This is Jeff Bezos. And, she, you know, she's all flattered. And he, you know, he just, he thanked her for doing her great job. And. Yeah, needless to say that 
the customer, the executive who was in charge of that. He was, uh, he no longer worked there the next day. <laughs> yeah. Cause Jeff was said, we want the best SLAs yep. as soon as possible. Yeah. No, listen, we have this thing called operational excellence, right? So, uh, internally we look at our metrics just like any company, right? So if you're a company out there and you're listening, we, we do exactly what you do. We just look at metrics, yeah. right? But we call it operational excellence and we want to be better every day. So we take this bar and we're like, hey, we were good here yesterday. We want to be here tomorrow. Yeah. Like, and here tomorrow. And that's not uncommon in any any uh, corporation yeah. or company. Uh, but we do it on like an obsessive level. So we're like, listen, if it was 30 minutes yesterday, we're trying to be like 10 minutes tomorrow. Yeah. Right? Like, we're trying to really like change things. Uh, and it's extreme. Um, so we really want to like bring that kind of stuff down. The thing I wanted to tell you about was, uh, so this desk in front of us that we're sitting at is amazing, uh, work that you've done. Um, so when Jeff Bezos started in 1994, I think, right. Um, he was like broke and he like spent all, poured all his money into this company called Amazon, um, to sell books. And so he's starting this, uh, business with a hand, like a group of friends that he has like gained. Um, and they're like, Hey, we need desks like this, right? Yeah. We need to be able to work. Um, and so to be frugal, um, they went down to the hardware store and got a door and so, and some four by fours and some yeah. hardware. Um, and they made these desks. And, uh, as I heard about this, I was like, this is insane. Like, <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, uh, because I asked like, what's the obsession with this? Like the, the model of the desk that we have in the office. And they're like, it's called a door desk. You should go look it up. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so I went and looked it up into the story. Right. So it just dates all the way back to Jeff Bezos and his friend, his colleagues that are now CEOs, um, of the company, um, that they went down to the hardware store and got this door and like made it a desk <laughs> and we can buy them now, like yeah. pretty proficiently. They're expensive. Uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, nothing against the door desk, but well, it's ironic. Now it's expensive. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> right. We're right. When he was doing it, it was probably like less than 50 bucks, right. you know, and now, now it's like obnoxious. Um, but that's exactly what we run into in this world. So. <laughs> I have a less exciting story. When I first moved to Texas, I didn't have any furniture. Yeah, and I wasn't paid a lot. So what I did is I just went to the, you know, recycle bin and took, you know, IT gear, turned it into side tables, like yeah. servers. <laughs> and I saw those wooden pallets and I just hammered the wooden pallets to make a desk. Oh, even better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, look. And so I took that, uh, that concept, that idea. And I was like, listen, I can do this at home. I'm a woodworker, yeah. uh, just like yourself, uh, on the side, right. As a right. hobby. Um, so I like, Hey, let me see if I can do this. So I literally, uh, went to home Depot and just, gathered all the pieces. I had to do so much research too, because oh, yeah. it's the weird, uh, brackets. Uh, I was like, listen, I obsessed over it. I was like, they need to be the same brackets yes. or it won't work. Um, and, uh, was able to get them. I have this massive door. I don't have like a little door desk, you know, it's like, like this table really? kind of massive for my workspace. And I'm like, dude, it's gotta be the door, like a full size door. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so speaking of woodworking, like, is this like a hobby that you enjoy as well? Yeah. I, I always tell people I don't have hobbies, but I do have tax deductible business expenses. So <laughs> <laughs> I, that's it, awesome. It's one of those things where I, I always wanted to do it. And physically speaking, this table is a terrible, terrible idea. <laughs> However, 
it was one of those things where I wanted the podcast to be a really unique experience. Yeah, so sure. I found a, this 150-year-old barn wood. Man. I said, you know, this should be simple. I did it with my buddy at Proofpoint. I'm like, all right, Nick, this should be simple. We could probably do this pretty quickly. Yeah. Just barn wood, epoxy, bing, bang, you're done. No, yeah, right. Yeah. No. I, it, th- these two tables are, are identical in dimensions and all the epoxy, but it took us, because we both work, you know, 70, 80, 105 hours a week, I might Sure. Case. So we only did it like for an hour each Sunday. We'd meet up at his place and work yeah. on it. So it took us about a year. Oh, and man. We should have gotten sponsored by Home Depot because we like I lost track. <laughs> I actually have an Excel sheet of like how much we spent and everything, every itemized thing yeah. that we bought. And I did pride myself. It's all made in the USA. It's like the epoxy was a little bit more expensive. It's made by uh, Moss, M-I-S epoxy. Yeah. And the only thing not made in the USA is the boom arm, uh, the Yeltek Mica. That was oh, made, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. That's made in Germany. Then sure, headquartered in Illinois. They out, they were outs- oh right on. They outsourced a long time ago. So this. Yeah, in Mexico, but no. Even the legs are clear coated steel. I think they're made in Oregon. Yeah, but yeah. It's just amazing to see it come to light. Oh yeah, and dude, it's, it's gorgeous. I, I like. I don't know if the like people can view it and see it. Uh, a little bit. Say camera three, it, maybe. Yeah. But so, but it's gorgeous. And you. the hundred year old wood thing that like triggers a memory for me back from the Navy. So, yeah. uh, we had this. Uh, we have to build these boxes when you make a uh, chief. Mm-hmm. And um, it carries this book inside there, and really, what it is is uh, so that the chiefs who are currently there they can write in it, and give you wisdom, and give you these like words of you know sage advice, if you will, and say, "Hey, look, hey, congratulations." Yeah. Um. So we went over to this guy's house, and he's like, "Hey, listen, I have like this hundred year old barn wood um, to make the majority of your box out of, or your you know vessel out of." And we're like, "No, that sounds awesome." Yeah. So being a woodworker, kind of like uh, like we said, like yourself, uh, my parents work uh, with wood. They build uh, they build cabinets and hang doors and things like that. So it's been a part of my life. So I enjoyed every second of it, um, and it was something that like I enjoyed and was able to do um, and share with those guys. So like I would sit and like be sanding these boxes at home and like, dude, this is the best moment of my life. Um, but it was hundred year old wood on the bottom. And then I like created these tops for it just out of some pine wood and was able to get it laser engraved and got these massive handles and these window hasp blocks on it. Where do you find handles at or what materials are they? Dude, so it's so funny because the handle we uh, picked out as a team, uh, everybody's like, oh, yeah, this handle because it's cheaper. And I was like, listen, guys, I'm going to go down and get to Ace Hardware somewhere. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got this gate pulled. So there's two of us, me and this dude that was bigger than me. Yeah. And uh, so for those that can't see me sitting here, right, <laughs> um, I'm like 5'10", I weigh like 220. Yeah. Um, no, maybe I don't weigh 220, but whatever. Um, and then there was this dude that was like 6'2", and he was like 250, 260. And I'm like, dude, we cannot carry these around like, the, like with three <laughs> fingers for six weeks. It's not going to work. <laughs> so I just was like made a decision and was like, I'm going to go down and get these bigger handles for those, for us, right? Yeah. For the two of us. Um, and everybody loved it. And then we had this problem like locking them because you're supposed to keep that book secure and lock it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the decision was made to get these ugly looking like combination locks Ugh. and yeah. <laughs> connect into it. And I was like, listen, I know, man. So I went down to uh, Ace, right? And uh, they had these window hasps. Um, that basically are like a locking mechanism that you set on a window. 
Um, so like how you remember back in the day when the window, you like unlocked the window from yeah. the top. Oh yeah. My parents still have that. Okay, cool. Yeah. So there are in some windows, some windows are not like you open them different ways, but it's a locking mechanism and it has a key. Oh, really? So you can like turn it, lock it, and then lo- it's locked by a key and it can't be opened by a kid or yeah. sounds really dangerous. Like in a fire situation. No. Um, but, <laughs> but in this situation it worked because you basically all of us had this, like the key was identical. So it was keyed identically for all these window hasps. Yeah. So we could all unlock each other's boxes if we needed to. And then we were able to like keep it secure. So it was super awesome. That's really but, cool. Yeah, it was a, such a great experience. Part of the uh, the making that rank, um, and I'll, maybe I'll have to like bring it over and show it to you sometime. It's super to see cool. It. Yeah. So are your kids are your kids and the family in the woodworking too, or carrying on the so, tradition? Man, I wish that I could say that my like kids would even be remotely uh, like attracted to that. My son is loves video games. Yep. Um, he is a gamer. He is like any obnoxious thirteen year old. <laughs> You know, he's loud and he talks so much trash to his friends. Um, and I know people are judging me. I'm like, mm, don't judge me. I'm good. Uh, I played video games for like 20 something years, you know, so I understand that community and how well, toxic it is. That's half the fun was like, oh, yeah. I mean, what's his platform? He's using PlayStation. Xbox, oh, he used, so he did PlayStation forever. Uh, he has a PC now. Uh, uh, he's really into it. Lives on Steam. He lives on Discord with his yeah. friends. Like, you let your 13-year-old son talk to people you have never met. Of course. Listen, man, right. we live in an environment in a world where technology has taken over. Oh, yeah. um, bad things will happen, oh, right? Yeah. If you don't, like, monitor those things or be aware of those things uh, and don't demonize them, then you'll be okay, right? right? Like, you can be like, hey, dude, like, who are you talking to? And yeah. you sh- your person, uh, kid, whoever, should be able to, like, answer you with some, like, you confidence. know. Yeah, confidence. Like, oh, hey, yeah. look, I'm just talking to my friends. Okay, cool. How about we like cool it down just a little bit? You yeah. know, like, hey, bring it down a notch. Um, Be careful. It's all being recorded. You know that, right? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, so he enjoys that. Um, my wife's not a huge fan of video games. She's like, God, please just get off the video game. <laughs> um, and she's gonna hate me for telling her, uh, talking to her, uh, talking about her, you know, in, in public, in a public forum like that. But no, she. She loves that he is doing something he loves. The funny part is, is that he also plays cello. Um, Really? He picked up cello when we moved to McKinney, Mm -hmm. um, and he went to middle school, and I guess they, so they do orchestra in middle school, Mm -hmm. right? And my oldest daughter, who's 22, did the same thing. She played violin. He picks up cello, and he's like, dude, this is awesome. Um, And so he wants to, this is going to sound really crazy, he wants to score um, music for video games. He's like, listen, I want to write music for those moments in video games yeah. where you're like walking down this path and you're like, and I'm like, okay, dude, like, that's awesome. Do your thing, man. Like, cool. Is you know, on, whatever that looks like, let's go do that. Right. Absolutely. So is he on the YouTube yet or recording? No. So I don't know totally what that looks like. Right. So I'm old. <laughs> I feel old. Um, I, I, thought that streaming sounded really cool and I watched people on Twitch which Amazon owns by the way too. I was about to say shout out <laughs> <laughs> shout out to uh, to our partner. Um, but the it's it was such a quick uh, transition to streaming, right? Yeah. Like if you didn't jump in that pool really quick, yep. you were not getting in the pool. Yeah. Like it was just like streaming boom 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 boom. boom. And and like you have to and once you're in it it's it. really good because yeah. you're in it, right? And then you've got this support cast, yeah. right, uh, of people who can think like that. Like, so 
realistically on my own to answer your question, I was not that dude who was going to find like cameras and microphones like we're sitting in front of. <laughs> um, I just didn't have that functionality to say, hey, like, let's go do this. Um, some point, yeah, maybe. Um, he's got a great personality. Yeah. Um, and that's what you really need to create content. Absolutely. You gotta have this personality or you were gonna be no just, one's gonna care. No one's <laughs> gonna care. Where are the clicks? Like we it, talked about earlier, right? Yeah. It's so. it's so revolutionary. Like twenty years ago, someone told me you can make a living as an average person just putting crap on the internet, I oh, would have laughed at you. Oh yeah, huge. And it's like, no, no, that's crazy. Now it's almost you know, it's almost sad like those quote unquote kids on the internet are making more than most adults. Like oh, no. PewDiePie's worth millions upon millions upon oh, millions of dollars. Oh, when he said uh, <laughs> when my son said he was watching like Mr. Beast, I was like, okay, I gotta go look at this dude. Yep. Um so I went and hunted it down and started like watching some of his content. I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Right. There's there's this attraction to that yeah. craziness. Um and it's not like the dude was like it's not like my son like picked up you know how they used to say like guns would uh, guns and video games will like destroy kids and oh, things yeah. like that, right? Um, so my, yeah, right. It's huge, huge misconception cliche. Half the Congress in the nineties, <laughs> we gotta argue about something, right? <laughs> um, so he didn't pick up anything and start like you know destroying our house, yeah. right? Like, so he just enjoyed the content. Oh. Um, huge shout out to this guy that I like follow on uh, LinkedIn and Facebook and every other platform that he's on. Um, he does not need the shout out, but this guy named Gary Vayner, mm -hmm. uh, Vaynerchuk, he, uh, he goes by Gary V. Oh yeah. I think I've heard of him. He, great guy, dude. Uh, he, uh, talks about like having to, like, you should post content like every, like four times a day. Oh yeah. You know, like go do you, go be you, go do you. That's how I see my son is that he can be him and he enjoys himself, dude. He just like yeah. loves every second of himself. And I'm like, dude. Cool, go be you, man. I don't need you to be a soccer star or whatever yeah. star. Um, on the other hand, I have a daughter. Uh, I have four kids, any, by the way. So I have a younger daughter mm -hmm. who's my soccer star. So she, uh, and I say that like lightheartedly, um, she uh, loves soccer. She like, you know, enjoys sports. So she's the drastic opposite of my son. Like, really? She likes to be outside. She wants to go swimming. She wants to like go play soccer. And I'm like, okay, dude, cool. <laughs> so love every second of it. I have a 22 uh, year old who lives in Virginia. She's a nurse. Um, she's uh, doing God's work by taking care of people. I, I love every second that she's like that kind of caring person. That's awesome. Uh, and then I have a seven, uh, she'll be 18, but she's 17 right now. Um, a daughter who's in a wheelchair. Uh, bound to a wheelchair. So we uh, take care of her every day. So our life is uh, hectic and interesting all at the same time. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that's a little bit about me. So that's awesome. Yeah, man. <laughs> so uh, what else do you like to do outside of work? Man, I wish I like, you know, it's crazy. I wish I could say there was like just this one thing, right? So to like clear my head at the end of the day, I like to sit down and like play video games, um, first person shooters. I used to play. Uh, this is going to, everybody's going to be like, I can't believe you played that video game. Um, I played World of Warcraft for like, for a very long time. Uh, to the demise almost of my uh, marriage. Uh -oh. uh, and, right, and it's like, oh, that sounds so crazy, Ken. Why did you do that? Or why didn't she play? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Don't tell her that, Tom. Um, so, um, she's like, look, me or it. And I was like, cool, I got you. Let's not like, you know, in the world here. Um, and so I like... I moved here uh, two years, a year and a half ago, two years ago, and I like sat back down at that video game and I was like, 
what was the entertainment? <laughs> like, oh my gosh, dude. Like I literally was able to look look at it and be like, I don't I don't know why I played this for so long. It's so eye-opening. It's like this light bulb came on. I was like, oh, my gosh. So, But I do sit down and play Call of Duty, um, Overwatch, first-person shooters that yep. I can just, like, get up and walk away from and be like, okay, whatever, um, and not suck my time away from my family and things like that. So um, other than that, like, so I do woodworking. Um, Working I do, on projects now? Uh, so the most uh, – this is going to make you laugh. So the most recent project that I did was um, our daughter has to have a bath. Um, just like every normal human, yeah. um, we have this trough, right? So it's a hundred gallon trough, um, and we have to lift her. Mm-hmm. So I was like, listen, I need to build something really quick that this trough can sit on and be supported yeah. by a hundred gallons of water. Yeah. And uh, so I like threw together this like, um, base for that trough that we got at a uh, tractor supply so that we could set it on there and it'd be sturdy enough so that we could lift her into it instead of like lifting her down into it uh, and bending down. So lifting a hundred pound person is definitely not like not something anybody wants to do for fun. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely daunting. And so I was like trying to make it as easy on my wife and I as we could to get her into the, uh, to her bath and whatnot. So um, super, super awesome. But, uh, that's like the most recent project. I love working with wood. I don't know. Um, like it was just like in our, in the yeah. jeans or whatnot, but I, I enjoy working on it. I built my daughter's beds. Oh really? Um, things like that. Yeah. So I've like, my brother is, uh, like a, I, I could, would consider him a master woodworker. He, uh, legitimately came down and literally like built these bunk beds for my kids in like two hours. We literally spent two hours. Like, that's it. Yeah. Spent time going to the store. Yeah. Pick up all the stuff. He's like, grab X, Y, and Z. And I was like, okay, dude. Uh, he literally like was like, just kind of back off dude and let me do this. And I was like, okay. And he just went to work and it, and it was done in like an instant. He carried the parts up there, and he like, and I was like, what in the world? He's like, yeah, let's go have a beer, man. I was like, oh, my what? Um, So it was super crazy. Uh, My dad is the same way. So he built my daughter, my 22-year-old daughter. She was young at the time. She, uh, like, did the whole, um, she did the whole uh, Pinterest thing. She's like, hey, Dad, can you ask Granddad if he can do this? And I was like, yeah, he's coming, so let's figure this out, right? Um, and he literally looked at the picture, no dimensions, no things on it. He's like, yeah, let's go get some wood and go get some parts. And he's like putting it together in his head. Um, and we go to the driveway and he is building this thing. There's like this four foot mirror that we put lights around, Mm -hmm. uh, like a vanity. And then we built this, uh, like table, um, that has like a little, uh, access point on the side. So she could put like her hair dryers down in there and whatnot. It was like, it was a masterpiece off of Pinterest, dude. We could have put it right next to the Pinterest picture. It would have been the same. That's it's awesome. so crazy, dude. I was like, man, they're like master woodworkers. It's a rare Easy. skill. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. But listen, man, I have enjoyed talking with you about all this stuff. I know that it is, oh, we've been talking for a hot minute, uh, it seems like. <laughs> um, I would love to come back and talk to you, though. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, just chit-chat some more. Free privilege. Appreciate oh, your yeah. service, and thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you, bud. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell anyone. Thank you so much. You all stay safe. Have a great day.
Shopping talks.